Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 236 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I've got a fantastic conversation for you today. My guest today is Jamie Wheeler from Jamie Wheeler Designs, although I should almost introduce her as Mrs. Wheeler. Or if you don't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. So you got to check out Jamie Wheeler. She is a designer and design educator out of Baltimore, Maryland. During this episode, we talk about Mrs. Wheeler, of course, where, and not her mom. We didn't talk about her mom. We talked about Mrs. Wheeler, her alter ego, and where Mrs. Wheeler came from and how it led to teaching design history and just sort of teaching design in general. We also talk about the time in her life where she just was not happy with an agency and she had to take the leap into freelance and teaching and all of that and what 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 happened. We then talk about sort of finding your working time, your zone, your groove, what time are you most productive and the struggle with trying to keep that time with all that life throws at us. Jamie then shares with us about the non-profit design project that she was a part of and why she is so proud of it. This was such a fun interview and it's jam-packed with tons of stuff. Jamie is so much fun and you're going to hear that excitement and energy right throughout this episode and lots of laughs. Laughs are good. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. My guest, Jamie Wheeler. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Jamie, or should I say Miss Wheeler, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I wasn't sure if you were going to jump on in character. I didn't know what to expect. You know, I've had a few people that I I was expecting that Mrs. Wheeler would show up, but they actually like got kind of nervous because they're like, I wasn't prepared to interview Mrs. Wheeler. I was only prepared to interview Jamie. And so um, I, I didn't, therefore that kind of has become the expectation. So I'm sorry that she won't be uh, available today. No, that's fine. That's why I do zero prep because <laughs> <laughs> this is just an authentic conversation, whether it's Jamie or Mrs. Wheeler, either way. <laughs> so um, I thought a great way to start this would just be kicking it over to you and having you briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Oh, sure. hold on. Sorry, Jamie. Sorry, Jamie. First and most importantly, are you ready for a quickie? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> High five. <laughs> there we go. Now, let's briefly tell the listeners about yourself. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Okay, so my name is Jamie Wheeler um, of Jamie Wheeler Designs. I am from Baltimore, Maryland, and I own my own design company that I've had full time for about a year, but I've been designing for money for over a decade. Um, I have worked as an in-house designer. I have worked as a freelance designer. Um, I went to formal uh, graphic, got my formal graphic design education in college. Um, And yeah, I've, after freelancing for a long time, I decided I wanted to jump into the education world and I taught high school graphic design for five years and I left that last last year mm-hmm. uh, 2020 is like not really a year so I no, in my brain I really have to overthink like <laughs> when was it like time warp real quick yeah um, really <laughs> um so yeah about a year ago I left um I was doing PR and teaching for high school left mm-hmm. that and went full-time with Jamie Wheeler design so I do m- mostly print uh, I'm sorry branding and like Squarespace websites, as well as publication design. So those are like my two main things, which um, 
it's taken me a while to like narrow down. So we'll see. Maybe next year I'll be narrowed down even more. But uh, <laughs> and then I also do graphic design education with my persona, Mrs. Wheeler, nice. um, and just launched a course uh, about a month ago. My first course called "Becoming a Better Designer" that kind of encompasses graphic design education, graphic design history the basics, like anyone that hadn't gone to design school or yeah. had been a while that they'd been to design school, um, kind of, kind of design school in a bottle is like the quick way to put it. And so wrapping up that first course right now, and that brings us to, to here. <laughs> that brings us to today. <laughs> to today. <laughs> um, so two things that I pulled out of that. The first one is you said a high school graphic design course. Is that like unique to that school or is that an elective that people can take? Like, cause yeah. I hadn't heard of it being part of a curriculum of some kind for high school. Yeah. So um, I've heard that a lot. I went to an AIGA conference with mm-hmm. uh, another art teacher and when we would tell people, cause they had a lot of um, design education, like one-off talks and stuff. And when we would mm-hmm. say high school, we had the same exact thing you said, like, what kind of high school? Like, what <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. What, what? Kind of high school is this? Like, where was that when I was in school? So it was a private school. Mm-hmm. And one of the courses I taught was yearbook, which of course, like to the average Joe is like, Oh, yearbook. Yay. Take pictures. But if a designer's <laughs> teaching it, <laughs> right. Yeah. But if a designer's teaching it, like, Oh no. <laughs> like I was critiquing those yearbook pages as if I, it was like, we were like a fortune 500 company and like Coca-Cola was our client. Like you need to check your spacing. <laughs> the current line is horrible. <laughs> um, but I learned a lot. And so, so, so that was one course. And then the other was, it started off, I did like photojournalism was the name, but it kind of morphed into like Photoshop. And then um, it just became graphic communication. So um, it was an elective and, um, yeah, because it was, I think because maybe it was a private high school, that's why I don't know. I don't really know if schools are offering that as much, but, um, actually I taught at two private schools and they both had that course. So hmm. I'm not sure maybe if that's just, um, you know, they noticed that with the way tech is going, that it's a good thing to offer yeah. as an art course, but, um, I hope more high schools do it so that it's not, you know, think it's needed but um yeah, yeah it would be yeah because you know you're in the computer lab there's typing classes and you know everything else doing the computer work like just level up and do a design course even an intro mm-hmm. to design gets you know because i was like a lot of people even 15 years ago where i didn't really know or understand design like mm-hmm. i didn't i had obviously i interact with it every day and i see it and i i feel it every day through every object that i interact with Mm -hmm. but understanding that that's design you just didn't understand that so you didn't really appreciate it as much as when you do understand what goes into creating something like that so by teaching that through high school like that's such a great idea and having that be sort of more normal and happen more in high school i think is a great idea yeah, the thing I noticed with um, I started noticing it with photography and then also with design is because um, high schoolers are more connected to technology than mm-hmm. our generation um, or someone like five, 10 years older than them. Um, it they think they can do it. Well, I have an app that can do this. And a lot of times they would show me like little videos they made or little designs they did on like free apps. And I was like, well, what do I have to teach you? But then I realized that they don't actually, once they know like things like kerning and like typography and, and just like the, the basics, like hierarchy and scale and things like that, then it's like, okay, now you can actually understand what you're doing instead of just like copying and pasting. And and there's just this mentality of like with TikTok and Pinterest and like even reality shows, it's like, I have to be the absolute best or there's like no point. Mm-hmm. And that's like a bummer because um, I don't think that that's the case, but that's, I think what yeah. like uh, the younger generation is, that's what they're being taught and told. So um, for design specifically to be able to like explore and explain that um, was really cool. Totally. And that you're right. Getting stuck in that mentality of, you know, if I'm not going to be the absolute best, why bother? But mm-hmm. I, I know, life in any direction, whether it's graphic design or any other career direction, it's a journey to really finding out 
what you enjoy, what you en- what you don't enjoy about it, and, and just finding your spot within that mm-hmm. and enjoying it is like the biggest part of the of the process, like the biggest part of it. Oh, for sure. And I think that that never really stops either no. because <laughs> especially if you own your own business because or do your own stuff because it's just like you're always evolving, changing and I'm trying to level up. Yeah. Somewhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Figuring out how to launch a course or whatever it is that we're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I did this exercise um, a couple of weeks ago where a group that I'm part of on Facebook that um, teaches membership sites was asking this question, you know, um, where were you at the beginning of the year and things that you never thought you'd be able to accomplish, things that just mm-hmm. seemed insurmountable. And where are you now? What have you done on the journey to doing that? Or what have you accomplished this year? And I sort of sat back and went like, wow, this year, like I launched Print Design Academy. I launched the Print Design Podcast. I'm over 200 episodes here. And you sort of, it it sort of immediately draws perspective to, you know, maybe my stuff is okay. Like Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I am actually doing things, even though I sometimes tell myself you're not doing enough. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. Like mm-hmm. kind of forcing yourself to like actually evaluate. Because if you think about like, oh, what have I done today? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm going to feel kind of crappy. <laughs> <laughs> but if, yeah, if you look at where, yeah, I think that's a really cool ex- yeah. question and exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's a number of ways to like, that people ask that question, you know, would your 18 year old self be right. proud of where you are today? Those kind of things, right? Yeah. But there's, there's real power in those questions and causing you to actually reflect to answer the question like, Oh, okay. I did something. Now I also want to hear the story behind Miss Wheeler, but just before you tell me that this light is really bothering me. So I'm just going to, oh, okay. <laughs> for a second, gonna... I thought you meant my light and I was like, no, my... no, my light. It's like making my face look very reflective. <laughs> there we go. We'll go something like that. That's a little oh, bit better. Looking good. Yeah. See, right now there's not like, why is there a spotlight on his face? <laughs> <laughs> that happens when it gets dark and there's like a zoom call after it's gotten dark. And I'm like, this is, the worst time yeah. for me to be on zoom because it's like just a spotlight. Looks like I'm getting interrogated. Lighting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. I'm not even going to edit that out. So Jamie, <laughs> tell, tell me the story about Miss Wheeler. I want to hear about Miss Wheeler. Yeah. So I guess the story kind of picks up where my, like my personal story left off. So I finished teaching or I left teaching and started mm-hmm. my company and one thing that I noticed, there's kind of a few things, but one thing I noticed, like, especially like in Instagram space that people, nobody was talking about design history. Like nobody was talking about design fundamental, like people were sharing, you know, here's stuff about typing and like some fundament- fundamental stuff. But, but I wasn't seeing like in other um, mediums, you kind of like, especially fine art, you see a lot of design history or art history. And so I was like, I'm really surprised that this isn't really something people are talking about. And I, along with that was like, I kind of this idea, this character of Mrs. Wheeler was popping in my head. Um, I think, I think I was like, I want to have teaching somehow be incorporated in my business. I see a lot of people doing education, but like, what the heck? I was an actual teacher. Like if anybody could do this, I can. (laughs) Um, And so those that kind of all morphed together into this like retro quirky, character i also did theater like from elementary through college um so it was kind of like this itch that i was wanting to scratch right scratch an itch itch a scratch um and (laughs) and so i kind of um just thought about it for a while and i like only told i didn't even tell my husband at first i told like (laughs) one other art artsy friend and like one social media friend and like kind of because i was like am i am i like weird is this what do you guys think and they were like no this is go for it. So I like, didn't even tell my closest friends. I I literally told no one. I was like, you just got to see what I'm posting next week. Like you got to just check it out. And I, so, um, kind of like hyped it up. I'm like, you, people actually thought like I hired a new person. They're like, what are you doing? Like you hired someone. I can't wait to meet, to meet them. (laughs) And then also my past students, because I had five years of students who were now, um, you know, some of them were in college. Some of them were doing graphic design, which was really cool. Um, So to have them see like, you know, me in the classroom to like now this like quirky version 
he kind of was like inviting for them to, to come in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she started um, with just doing, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> I, I just knew everything <laughs> starts literally. I don't really know what I'm doing with this podcast, but right. let's go with it. I just knew I wanted to talk about design history, but I also knew that most people would find design history boring. Mm-hmm. So I needed to like tone it down, but also make it fun. And um, yeah, so I would, broke down the videos. It was really, that was the hardest part was making the content. Cause it was like something I really nerded out about that I had to fit into like a watchable time limit, which is yeah. like three minutes, five minutes. Um, so that was tough. And um, you know, and then like around Christmas, I did like a, the history of Santa Claus and marketing, like things that people would around Halloween. I did the um, history of the stranger things logo. So things that were like, not quite design history, but still we're tapping into that um, space a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I knew this would eventually lead to some sort of course. And she kind of just took on a life of her own. Um, The very first post, the very first comment, someone said like, Oh, I, you know, Mrs. Wheeler, you're awesome. And I remember responding as Jamie saying, Oh, like, thanks so much. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, wait, no. And Mrs. (laughs) Wheeler needs to respond. And she literally has taken on a life of her own. I haven't met anyone that hasn't spoken of her as like an actual other human being that exists <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so it's been really cool to see like how, how much, I don't know, like how people just get into it and, you know, they've learned stuff too, which is like, mm-hmm. but I was, you know, the main goal. Um, yeah. So she kind of was part of the course that I did um, to make the design history part fun. She introed um, each module with a design history lesson. And then I did the like meat of the other lessons. Um, so she also helped with the PR of it. So yeah, I'm not sure with 2021 what um, where she's going to go uh, or what she's going to do, but she's definitely sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it kind of reminds me of a little bit um, is my kid's they have shown me videos of Miranda Sings. Are you familiar with her? No. Okay, you got to check. It- <laughs> Wait, you got to look it up. Haters back off. Anything? No. No. Am I embarrassing myself by not knowing? No, absolutely okay. not. No. We're. I was also in that category until my ten-year-old introduced me to this. So okay, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, so I'll send you uh, I'll send you an email after this with a link where you can check it out. But basically, it's an actress who who brought on this character, this really quirky character, and the character just transformed and morphed into itself. And people started referring to Miranda instead of you know the actress oh, and things. Right, okay. so there's similar parallels to what you're doing with Mrs. Wheeler, and I I love that. It just creates fun about mm-hmm. it all, and there's just there can never be enough fun in the yeah, world. Yeah, I like right? that. Totally. And I think that especially with um, designer, like non-agency designers, so like small designers, um, solopreneurs, is that like the the term people use? (laughs) Um, It it all starts looking the same. Like we're all kind of doing the same thing. So, Mm -hmm. and I like, that feels icky to me. So even though I fall into it, because I'm like, I want to market myself, but I've gotten a lot of feedback of, I haven't seen anything like this. I haven't seen any designers do anything like this. And that's when I kind of knew that it was, I've tapped into something that is unique to me that fits me, but also that like, that's hard to do something that other people aren't doing because, because the internet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because the internet. (laughs) So Jamie, we've got a whole bunch of like updates leading us up to sort of where you are and the stories behind what you got cooking right now. I want to kick this back further. I want to kick this back into childhood and I want to hear a little bit about your childhood. And if you feel that you had a creative childhood, that's kind of pointed you in this career path. Yeah. um, I love that question when I saw it uh, come in and it it did get me, get the wheels spinning a little bit. So I was an only child. So I think that that plays a huge role. I blame like a lot of things on being an only child, but um, (laughs) I think mom and dad, (laughs) (laughs) I think it made me, I'm also, you I don't think people realize like I'm really short. I'm only five feet tall. So being like very short and being an only child, like it made me have to like, I don't know, like be bigger than I was because I had to have like, you know, I didn't have siblings to play with. So I was like playing 
video games and Barbies by myself and being short, I like overcompensated by trying to be funny. And that got me into theater and my dad did theater um, throughout high school. And so when I started doing theater, he got really involved in, um, he like was in plays with me. He was, uh, we were in Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. He was uh, the lion Aslan and I was like a beaver. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that, you know, his theater background, my mom was DIY, like everything, you know, she liked fixing stuff up. She was always very creative. She was also like a business starter. She like um, had a few businesses throughout my childhood. So I think that tapped into it. Um, My dad wanted to be an architect. So both of them are very organized. So I think that's why design kind of is what I went into because they, they weren't like scattered artists. They were like, very organized. And so then I became very organized. Um, yeah. And, and they definitely, they, I think they let me be creative, but I also like had to have a clean room and organized closet and, you know, like be on time and all of those other things. So, um, I really wanted to do interior design in high school uh, or like up through high school. And then I didn't even know what graphic design was. And at that time, live journal, it was like MySpace live journal era era. Okay, and, I never got into it, but I, I, I know I've heard of it. Okay. So, um, you know, you could like make your, this is like the early to that late nineties, early two thousands. Like you can make your own backgrounds and like the internet looked a lot different. Back then. <laughs> yes, it did. Um, and so I was, I like got into Photoshop was the first thing. And I remember like adding fairy wings to my profile picture and like, you know, doing my friend's pictures to make them like, you know, look all weird and emo or whatever. <laughs> and um, emo. Yeah, like, yes. Um, that was a phase. And so, yeah, then, then I realized, Oh, like people do this for a living. And I actually was super lucky to get an internship in high school at an, a design agency. And that kind of like sealed the deal for me. Um, and what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. I kind of went from childhood and skipped, skipped up ahead, but, Skipped up ahead. So did you have have any other family members or that were involved in the graphic design field that sort of could guide you through, or did you just, you found it and it felt right and you just went for it and you had full support of the parents? Yeah, that second one for sure. My dad, so my dad wanted to be an architect, but uh, in the eighties, he, he saw the future of computers and was like, this seems like where I should be going. So he's, he, like we had the newest, tech in our house, like whatever it came out, we were like a gateway family. We had the gateway computers and, um, you know, he could fix any tech issue or problem. And my mom had done photography. So she, um, like was into like the digital camera stuff. So I was very much surrounded by the technology. So I think that, that, you know, well, then I got a Mac and they were like, I can't, I don't, I don't know what this is. I can't help you. So, but I had had a, you know, childhood uh, amount of time troubleshooting, seeing my dad troubleshoot stuff and, mm-hmm. and like my mom be creative too. So um, yeah, so I definitely, yeah. So they had like the, it was like IT's kind of help, but not necessarily like specific to graphic design, but yeah. it's, still, it's still, and you know, when a, a computer crashes, you don't have to be a graphic designer to, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so during that timeline or, or phase, or maybe it's somewhere else, but what stands out to you as the most influential design of your life so far? Something that you saw and has just stuck with you since? I don't know. <laughs> so I saw the quote when you asked that question ahead of time, I was like racking my brain because I'm like, I feel like if there's something I should know, yeah. but I don't, nothing came to mind. And when I thought, when I did think of things that um, like early on, like just like visually thinking of designs that I saw, it's like already changed so much where like design has evolved so much already where I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, was that, maybe that was influential then, but it didn't stick with me because so much has changed. I think that um, it probably wasn't until college where I was really starting to learn more about like, um, you know, just some of the design trailblazers and what they did, which it wasn't so much what they did that stuck out to me. It was that they were the firsts or this thing that I've seen that I'm so used to like Helvetica. It's like, okay, cool. Like Helvetica designers use it. Like 
we're all hipping with it. But when you actually look at, you know, Swiss design and why that exists and where it came from, that to me was like, okay, that yes. was more influential of like, we're, we're all creating stuff now that's going to be the next, you know, movement in design. And, and that I think was kind of like the undercurrent for, for me. You know, I like how you describe that where, you know, there's something that you used and you were aware of, but once you really understood the history of it and where it came from, there's parallels with that to teaching and to, you know, Mrs. Wheeler going back in time with design history and really mm-hmm. wanting that part to be a, be a core focus of what kids are out there learning, like know the history because it gives you a greater appreciation for what you're looking at today. Absolutely. I think that, um, cause I also took just gen- general art history and learning about like Rothko and, you know, the different painters where they just fl- flung paint around and and you know a lot of people see it in the art museums and like I could do that and you know learning about how well they were the first to do it and they were doing it at a time when you know they were kind of going against the grain and people didn't like what they were doing and you know they knew enough about color to layer it a certain way and did you know there's like cigarette buds in their paints because they were that's how crazy they were and so it's just that to me was like, that can be applied to design too, where, um, yeah, anybody can do it, but they were the first. And like, now what are you going to do with it? And like, how yeah. are we going to use it? And how is that going to affect how we use things too? Yeah, absolutely. And it can't just be me, but since this like pandemic stuff has been going on, the amount of painting videos that come up in like my Facebook <laughs> feed, it's insane. And it's always the one where they're drilling a hole in like the bottom of the paint can and swinging it like you're oh. them over things. Yeah, you have to have seen that. Everybody has seen that. I'm sure of it. Oh, yeah. I'll have to. Have you seen the one where the guy falls in it after? It's done? No, I don't think so. Like on purpose as an artistic movement or an- I don't know. It's it's like a lot of those TikToks where you're like you're acting like you just got dumped by your boyfriend on camera but like yeah. I don't think that's true so I it could be one of those where like, <laughs> I saw one this morning I'm like did you really ask him to marry you after only 10 days or was this staged? <laughs> I think I've seen you in other things. Too. Right, right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's terrible. When we're starting to recognize like the actresses in these terrible. <laughs> That's 2024. You're right there. Oh, geez. <laughs> so Jamie, before I get into some of the tough questions, we're going to do a little Instagram review here. I'm going to have oh, a look okay. at your Instagram feed. We're okay. going to pull it up live on the screen here. Oh, well, I'm able Legit. to see it. Oh yeah, you'll be able to see it. Okay. Because I was say, I can also pull it up. Yep. And um, let me just set this up. We'll kick that over there. This Should is fun. See. I feel like I'm on Jimmy Fallon or something. Like he's something to do. <laughs> okay. Oh there yeah. There we go. There okay. we are. All right. So let's go over here and let's have a look through. Um, the one that f- jumped out at me was this one. This is one of them. I'm going to go over a couple of them. Okay. But uh, tell me the story about this one, Jamie. What's going on here? Okay. Um, well, I can tell you about the piece. I don't know exactly what I was writing there, but um, that oh, oh, getting in there. So this was a recent, I did this at the beginning of 2020. It was a 130 some page um, workbook for couples getting married, like a marriage workbook. Um, and it was, I think it's the biggest publication piece I've done, but I love publication. Um, it's one mm-hmm. of my specialties, I guess. And so um, I was showing here like how it can be, each page can be unique, but also cohesive. And so like uh, using a color palette like this, because it was for marriage prep, it had to be for men and for women, but also like, you know, love, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, using color palettes, but also it was a workbook. So you wanted people to engage with it. Um and very content heavy. So yeah. And this was a, I think I, this was the first time I used this mock-up. Um, I don't remember who did where the mock-ups from, but it's now like, I love this mock-up. I think it's a cool way to show a publication. It's really cool way to show it. And was this, did this, is this something that actually ended up printed or was it a mm-hmm. digital only piece? Yeah, it got printed. And I think they told me it like got shipped around the world. Like it wasn't just something that was used in the U S it was um, out of Boston. The client was out of Boston, but yeah, actually they're doing, it was so successful that they are now doing a leader 
um, guide. So like for a leader to guide a group of couples. Um, yep. And so we're redesigning or we're taking the design and changing the content to be for the leaders. So that's actually happening right now. So it's cool that I it like bookend my year with the same piece. That's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Did you end up with a couple copies of it? I, well, so as you know, I just moved. So it, yeah. I do have a, I do have a copy. It's in my contract that I always get, if anything's printed, I get a copy. Awesome. So um, I did get sent a copy and um, yeah, it was, I think they did change a few things before it went to print, but I wasn't too upset about it. Good. You know, yeah, they kept, they kept the gist of it. Yeah. 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 All right. So now I want to dive into one of these from Mrs. Wheeler. <laughs> So this one, there this she is. is. Oh, and all her glory and all beauty. her glory, mm-hmm. like excellent Photoshop clipping here. Just <laughs> really well done, Jamie. Oh, wow. Thank you. You must've got in there. There's gotta be a million dots tracing this image. Like, I think, I don't know. I may have just done like, um, I don't know, racer, quick mask. I don't know. I use a little bit of everything. Nice. Okay, yes. so, so what's going on here? What's going on in this carousel post? I'll quickly sort of scroll through it here. So she's talking about Mrs. Wheeler's talking about typography, type anatomy. Okay, so she's mm-hmm. breaking down the parts of letter forms, I believe. Um, yeah, cat pipe baseline. So she so she was doing a lot of videos, but they took up a lot of time to prep for, write scripts for, edit, and She's not really bringing in the big bucks, you no, know. She make does she make you edit all that stuff. She makes me do all the work. She just shows up on the shoot day, and you know, what a celeb. She, I know she got to make sure her hair her hair flip is done right, and you know, just it's fine. We have a good relationship, but <laughs> so we decided to switch to the carousel posts. A because they've been like really popular and successful on mm-hmm. Instagram, but also it was a easier. It was a more it was something we could do every week that was way easier than a, a video. So um, yeah. we kind of did this for about half of this year. So yeah, there she is. And then she, yeah, she has a Facebook group that's called the classroom. So just a space outside of Instagram um, where people can talk design. It's, it's still growing. It's still kind of new, but um, yeah. you know, just to kind of get people more engaged. Cause you know, you can only go so far on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. No, can people find this Facebook group um, through your profile? Um, I think it's yeah. I think if they click the link in my Instagram, it's in there or on my website. Um, awesome. Yeah, it should be it should be findable. Good listeners, you got to go check out the Miss Miss Wheeler and see what she has <laughs> cooking in the classroom and Facebook there. I'll have to also check because I think with the course, I've kind of maybe let my class, Mrs. Wheeler, let her classroom slide a little bit. <laughs> Mrs. Wheeler. She's I just know. been like in there, like invested in the students. <laughs> yes. Yes. So she's very, very good about that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So the last one I want to pull up is this one. And I briefly Ooh. sort of read the description of it, but okay. I wanted you to go a little bit deeper with this. So this was for a freebie that I made for my website. I think it was like um, a, checklist on how to grow your creative community. Um, And so what you're looking at here are, I have a Slack group that I started and with designers that I found on Instagram that I kind of was connecting with over time. We like would be commenting on each other's stuff, messaging a little bit here and there. We kind of were in the same like follower count slash our work was kind of like on the same level. So I reached out to about like 10 people and said, Hey, I'm looking to start a Slack group. I need people to talk to outside of Instagram. Are you interested? And um, it has dwindled down um, to about, I think there's five of us Mm -hmm. and we, we talk almost every day. Honestly, Um, we started off with like, what do you, what do you charge? What do you think of this feedback? Um, to now we, we like know about each other's lives or, you know, like, Oh, have fun doing this this weekend. So we've, we've really become friends. Um, but I've only actually one, one of them lives in Baltimore as well, but the rest, um, I've never actually met in person. So mm-hmm. we talked about doing a meetup, but then 2020. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I pulled some, just some screenshots of like encouraging things that we had recently said to each other to showcase like why community is important, what, you know, what, you know, just kind of like the good feels of Mm -hmm. of that's, um, but yeah, the checklist kind of goes into ways that I like working alone over the past year or more 
have found creative community and like how that might help other people that are just starting or feeling stuck or, you know, feeling kind of alone because we're all kind of alone, but we're also all kind of not. <laughs> and yeah, uh, kind of a weird spot. Yeah. And a lot, um, I think I did it this year, which was helpful with uh, the pandemic, but a lot of the stuff too is, is also helpful for outside of the pandemic. We can actually like go to things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I love that. Okay. So moving on now, I want to get to some of the tough stuff here, Jamie. I want to get to the parts of your career where you've likely made some Mm -hmm. mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Then we'll turn it around and we'll finish up in a happy place. Okay. So I want to ask what has been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was that challenging and how did you get through it? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> there's a few that come to mind a few, you know, I, I think all the answers that I have are really at some sort of transitional period in my overall career, mm-hmm. um, where I had to make the decision or the, have the realization of why, what was, wor- what I was doing wasn't working and why, and then what was going to be next. So, mm-hmm. um, leaving, and there's two, so kind of like two parts that is one would be, I, I was working for a design agency that um, focused on a pretty big international client. And, um, but the work I was doing was, was kind of just turning, churning out that brand and, and the work environment wasn't um, something that was working for me. Mm-hmm. And I had this itch to go into teaching, but there wasn't really like a job ahead. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, make the decision to leave and, um, and, and pursue the free, like freelance and teaching without any vision in sight. And so starting that freelance, um, design work without any, like I had been doing freelance, like a, a job here or there, but really like having it to need to support me was, um, and like how I went about those design projects in the beginning with that, like kind of, oh my gosh, this is a bigger deal than before um, was tough. And then I think that going again, leaving teaching to go full time um, was also very difficult. Cause again, I'd been freelancing, I'd been designing, I'd been teaching, but like owning a business full time to support yourself um, was very challenging. And again, like how, how I was, how I was designing with that undercurrent of, okay, like the stakes are higher. Um, and so I think that, what was the, did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're in the middle of it. You're in the middle okay. of the story. Basically. I don't know if I should focus more on like design specifically or just career. So no, I no I career. I want to hear. Yeah. yeah. Basically like you're saying, you know, about the journey, that transition and what parts of that transition you found the most difficult and right. how, how you sort of made it through what, what happened to, you know, to where you could finally breathe a little bit. Yeah. I think that going full time, I, I like educated myself a lot before I actually like made the switch so that I, mm-hmm. I did my personality. I like needed to feel prepared. I couldn't like totally jump in without any, any prep. And so, um, that did help, but, um, there are things that I look back and I'm like, I wish I would have done what I'm doing now a year ago. And, you know, we can't change that. Um, but I can, you know, share that with others. So things like, I wish I would have focused on, um, like my proposals and my, um, like my bookkeeping and all of that, like not so fun stuff. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have invested. It's like the classic thing you hear, like, Oh, you need to invest in it. But I, but I wasn't making money. So how could I invest in those things? Um, And also, and it's same with education, like investing in the courses. Like I took quite a few courses. I did a lot of those like um, online design summits where I I downloaded every free thing. Like I'm on so many email lists because I totally (laughs) just was like, yeah, give me the download. And um, it wasn't until I took a course uh, this year with um, one six creative and, uh, you know, I invested a little bit and it, that was the course that made it click for me, but it took me a few courses to get to that and, and being willing to invest that money and also investing money in, in just, you know, other, other non-design things. Like I used Dubsado and um, Asana, or if you do QuickBooks, FreshBooks, whatever, like those sort of things. Um, it's really hard to backtrack on those once you've, you've been going at it. So 
Um, yeah, that was something I wish I would have done differently. But yeah, I think finding other people that were at the same place as me and doing having that design community, that Slack group I started where, because you can talk to other designers, but if they've been in business for more years than you, or they're, they have a different, you know, client base or just a different design style, you know, you can relate, but only to so far. So finding Mm -hmm. those people, I think I could like ask questions without having to explain myself or like, you know, feel judged. And, And I think that really helped me get through like any struggle. And then also like, let like, the self-motivation of you don't have to show up in your home office at 9 a.m. and leave at five. Like you can make this what you want. And so I just felt like this guilt for a while of Mm -hmm. needing to have things be a certain way. And so um, I had a few like health stuff and, and then now with moving, it kind of forced me to break that mold of like, okay, well you can only work when, when you can work and that's how you're going to show up best. And so um, that's kind of, help for me too. Yeah. And it's an interesting journey to finding out when you start working from home, like a lot of people have been forced to, mm-hmm. you know, finding out the moments or the, the time in the day where you feel that everything clicks the most, mm-hmm. right? Like some people do great at getting up at five o'clock in the morning and they're in the office at six and they hammer things out to noon. And then after that, they're like, yeah, my brain's done and nothing there. Others are like the opposite. They're evening. Mm -hmm. Like they don't really start clicking until five or 6 PM. Yeah. Right. So really finding that spot for you. And once you know that spot where your mind is really just dialed in, whether that means the distractions are backed away or or whatever it is that allows you to focus and do your best work, respecting that and doing your best to make that your work time and everything else done around that. Yeah. That makes total sense. And yeah, I'm definitely a night owl, but it's, you know, the other, like having, you have kids, I have a husband and he gets home right when I'm like, oh, I was just getting into the groove. And so <laughs> a lot of times, you know, it, it ends up being in the evenings, which is fine. And I think there's, there is that like household balance of yeah. he gets up to go to his office in the morning and mm-hmm. I'm still sleeping. <laughs> And, you know, I can like take my time in the morning, but then at night I'm working. So it's just this weird, you know, you just kind of, yeah, got to figure out what works and Mm -hmm. and play with it. Yeah. I find that I do my best work once my kids are in bed. So I really don't have the clarity until 10 o'clock at night. So from 10 till 1am, that's like where I can really hammer out. Like I can do things. I can connect on podcasts. I can emails, I can do the other things, but the creative thinking towards growth and what's next, I can't do that part until late in the evening. Oh yeah. We got uh, a puppy a year ago and uh, same thing, like with the course, I was talking about like, Oh yeah, it's hard work. And then I, you get a puppy and you're like, Oh no. Oh, Oh, I see what they mean now. <laughs> so I, it, it was a huge challenge because I, there was, with design, like you just have to enter in for like a long chunk of time. Like I I'm zoned in. So like, yeah, like checking emails, doing some bookkeeping stuff like that. Okay. But having this puppy here made me realize like, Oh my gosh, I can't do anything for more than like 15 minutes to 30 minutes. So it was, it was making it very difficult and I was having to, to adjust. So, uh, but luckily she's not a puppy anymore. <laughs> exactly. She's finally in that sleeping most of the day stage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good. Um, so for this next one, Jamie, I want to get a little bit more specific. I want to okay. hear about a specific design or project that you were a part of that didn't go well, didn't bring the desired results. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's, it's kind of like my other answers. There's not like one main thing that I'm that like blows it out of the water, but there's a lot of instances. I think that when I was working at the school, I was working in the PR department, uh, doing like all the, since it was private school, I was doing all of their design as well. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of like smaller projects that I felt needed to be cohesive with the brand. They needed to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like we had the opportunity to kind of get, you know, with private school, like there's this like 
this like stuffiness that kind of comes along with a lot of the design. It's a nonprofit. So they don't have a lot of money to really invest in that sort of stuff. So me being there was like, okay, like every single small project to me was like, this is our chance to really, what, what is its purpose? How does it work? Who's the audience? What's the hierarchy? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> what I learned is that's not always like the same they, they don't have the same goal as the designer. So in that sense, and I think that's true with a lot of clients, but in this case, it was, you know, when you're in-house, the turnaround time is very quick. And so there were quite a few like t-shirt designs, um, you, you know, even like signs for an event, like, you know, lunch line is this way or whatever it was where I really wanted to invest like, put all of this into it. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of times I would, like, I would put my foot down and be like, no, we need to, like, it needs to look this way. And like, let's really think about this. And, um, and they would kind of let me do my thing, which was nice of them. But looking back, I'm like, I think that I maybe pushed back too much. And it, and it did teach me to, with clients, listen better to, to see like, what, when is it appropriate to really like, put my design cap like all the way on and when when is it like okay to say okay maybe now isn't the time to (laughs) really like go go ham on design now i do think like with branding and brand consistency that's important but when you're working with like so many i mean i was designing something new almost every day depending on like wow club organization or event you know fundraising and donors like annual reports like there was all sorts of stuff and so yeah like i let's just focus on like the bigger stuff and 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 knowing my design skill like it will tie in and be okay i don't need to like it was almost like i was being too anal and i needed to like get knocked down a bit but it, it wasn't until after i left that job that i really realized and started seeing what they were doing without me there that i was like okay you like they're fine it's mm-hmm. fine it's working it's still speaking it's still achieving the same goals like you just needed to chill a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so learning to like just learning to chill yeah when, when appropriate i think when there's time yeah. yeah i think there's times where you do need to put your foot down but yeah there is <laughs> <laughs> and that sign pointing for the freaking lunch line direction that's the one that you don't back off on I that wasn't act, I just made that up, but I wish that it was yeah. had been real. Who the hell picked Comic Sans for this thing? <laughs> That's the the worst was when like a student would design a club flyer and it would be like better than something I had just designed, and I'd be like, and then I would try to get that student to design stuff for me, but yeah. they have so much on their plate because they're in like eighty clubs and fifty sports and are doing eight AP classes, and I'm like okay. Yep. Never going to get anything from you. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay, Jamie. Well, I want to turn this around and I want to ask you about a project that you've been a part of that you were the most proud of the one that just makes your heart sing. What is that? Tell me that story. I think most recently, because there, you know, there's a few throughout my career, but, um, most recently I worked, I had the chance to work with another designer on a branding mm-hmm. project. Um, and we actually ended up working on two branding projects together. So I think both of these are ones that I'm more recently proud of. So they were both for nonprofits, which was nice. They were for nonprofits that like saw the value in branding. And so they, they budgeted accordingly. So um, that was off to a good start. Um, mm-hmm. So I worked with Jess of White Coffee Creative, and she's also here in Baltimore. And um, one was for uh, MD Mom, which was is like a health um, related um, nonprofit, and then Trash Free Maryland, which something both Jess and I are conscious of is is you know the environment and and how you know just being environmentally. Uh, smart. And so Mm -hmm. to do a project for this trash free Maryland company who um, they, they're interesting. They, they work with like legislation, changing legislation for getting a cleaner state, not just like they also pick up trash off the side of the street, but they're like looking at it from a bigger. And so it was something we were both passionate about, but we were also had like a good 
budget for it. And um, we got to, you know, tag team the design of the the whole branding from scratch. And nice. um, I actually haven't even put it on my portfolio yet. It's, it's, I think just finished like a few weeks ago, a month ago. Um, we also did some of their website. So it's like, you know, you finish it, but like the whole thing's not quite done. Um, <laughs> Are websites ever done? But no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that was one that I was most proud of because it was something I cared about, which is not always something you get with a client. It, I got to sure. work with another creative and I was, I was just proud of the, excuse me, the final design. Like I was just proud of, what we created together. So, and the colors were dope. I was really excited about the colors. Cause you know, you don't, you can like make these fun color palettes, but that doesn't always mean that the client's going to pick it or that it makes the most sense. So, so um, working with another creative, it, it like pushed me outside. We both pushed each other outside of our boxes cause she's very bright colors and I'm more like muted colors. And so we, I mean, spent like an hour talking about the shade of like, orange that we were going to go with and that's cool though because that like like you said it pushes you out of your comfort zone and things that you would usually do and some of the best lessons and things that you learn come from doing that mm-hmm. totally yeah so I, I really enjoyed it and i wish that i could work with other designers more so i think that's something i'm gonna try to do more moving forward just because i'm like i i saw how much it so much positive came out of it. And, and it's hard to find when you're working for yourself and you're yep. the designer and the company's your name, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so we'll see how that kind of evolves over time. Cool. That's a great one. Especially, you know, the, the partnership aspect of that, mm-hmm. you know, where it's not like you're, you're a lone wolf tackling a single project, you know, there's something refreshing when you're working by yourself so often to work tackling a project with somebody else with a team member. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think team teamwork is hard to find when you're working alone, but when you do it and it works because you can find it and it doesn't necessarily <laughs> always work. So uh, true. So yeah, that's definitely, yeah, some, some, a good victory. You find it and it doesn't jive. Yeah. That'd be, yeah. <laughs> that'd be worse, but this time it's all good. <laughs> yes. Well, Jimmy, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my last guest was Jarrell Dre and he's an instructor, graphic design. So similar, you know, lineage to you does some freelance stuff as well. He does part-time creative directing for Levy Labs and a couple of other things he's got going on there. Busy guy. Yeah. Actually, just finished up uh, doing a TEDx talk as well. Not a big deal. Yeah, Not a big deal. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he wanted to ask you, who is your favorite teacher or mentor, and why? Oh, that's a great question. Okay, mm-hmm. I I have two, and I feel like I have two answers to every question you've asked me. <laughs> um, my college, my graphic, my college professor who was in charge of the design program Mm -hmm. they have a title but um she in in college i mean i i definitely looked up to her she was like the head of the program but she um we've just kept in touch over the years and so i've been able to follow her design like she took a sabbatical just to focus on her hand lettering and that was super cool to see like she put up a show and you know it was neat to follow and getting into education, like I was able to reach out to her and like ask her, she like invited me back up to the college just to sit and like tell her what I wanted to do with my life and, and what she thought. And so That's having cool. that, that like, you taught me design, but you also like you, you stuck around, like you actually cared about me. Mm-hmm. So I think that that to me um, was, yeah, definitely um, impactful. And then also just from like the, resources and level of design knowledge that they have Ellen Lupton she's written thinking with type and like a bajillion other really good design education books um and she's actually from she's head of um the Maryland Institute College of Art which is like not far from me that's Um, awesome so but I've never like I think I maybe have heard her speak but I've never actually like met her but she's a design educator that I think has is going to be someone who's like made some good um, some like powerful movements and, and Mm -hmm. motions within the design education. So 
And just before, do you actually have, do you have a third one? No. Did I say three? No, (laughs) that's fine. So what have you, so you haven't reached out to her yet. Who the Ellen Um, Lupton? Yeah. No, I don't know what I would say to her. Stuff, girl. I like your stuff. <laughs> um, they're actually. She has like a counterpart. Uh, some another design teacher at Micah Brockett Horn, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. And I did take a little online course, and Brockett like messaged and said, "Oh, if you're in the area, like if you want to get coffee sometime." And I was like, "Yeah, play cool, play cool, play cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'll check the calendar. Yeah, right. I'll see what and I then, got in uh, 2020. So that's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say though, if you were, um, if you were ever nervous about reaching out, just do uh, ask Miss Wheeler to look after that for you. You know, I've thought about yeah. that. I have a, I have like a short list in my head of like, yeah, what would happen if I just, as Mrs. Wheeler, like sent them an Instagram video? Because what I love most, um, or, or something I really enjoy, is when when people designers or whatever go outside the usual to reach out to message somebody or to to connect with somebody. Mm-hmm. So years ago I had another podcast I did with my cousin and it was all about entrepreneurship and we called it the breaking ground podcast. And we wanted to basically document us starting a business. Okay. He and his wife ended up having a baby and we had little kids. So it ended up just fading away. But anyways, what we did is there's like some big, some of the big name podcasters that we really wanted to have on our show to learn from. Um, We sent them this box, this about us box. And it was rather than just sending an email or anything, we mailed them to their PO boxes, this box, and it had all of our favorite things in it. So it was like, had like water guns because we love like summer and water fights and water guns and our favorite flavor of chips. We had a bag of those in there. There was um, our favorite candy, like a bunch of like food and beverage and funny things. Each box cost us like 25, 30 bucks to put together. And we sent it out to them. And out of the five that we sent out, all five came on the show. Oh, that's so cool. And you think of how many people just send them an email that their executive assistant is answering. Right. Right. And just standing out, standing out in really unique ways. And that's what's such another great direction with Mrs. Wheeler. Like that's such an awesome introduction to people and an introduction to yourself. Think of a crowded inbox and standing out with that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because I think one thing that I learned a lot about in design school is going into interviews. How do you make your resume stand out? How do you do things that are going to make you, yeah, just like be the one that gets hired. And so if you mm-hmm. didn't have that experience and you kind of like went right into being a um, business owner, you never really had to do that. Like you never really, there's, I think there's a lot of people that haven't had to do that or like had a reason to think about that. And so yep. I think that what you just shared and Mrs. Wheeler are both like ways that we can break that barrier between like Oh, the, them up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can I can't email them. Right, right. <laughs> no, you don't have your alter ego to <laughs> yeah. so. I don't know, just might be something it'd be it'd be cool to see. I uh, yeah, I definitely want to. I'm going going to. All right, I'm gonna hold you accountable, Jamie. Okay. Um so what is your ask it for question, Jamie? So I was thinking about it and it, I feel like it might be similar to what I got asked, but um, my question would be, I'm not sure exactly how to word it, but I, I'm curious like what the next person's experience with design history is, since that's something that I, I've talked about a lot. And so, you know, whether like, what is their experience with design history? Is that something that, you know, I don't want to ask like, who's your favorite designer from design history. Cause like, I don't, that's, that's not what I'm going for, but um, yeah. Like do they have, do you feel design history is important to design? Yeah. Do you, you know, or, and if you do like why, or like, yeah, I want to say, I keep saying like, what is your experience with design history? Cause I'm just curious, like, have they, explored design history in any way and if they have how has it affected them as a designer Mm -hmm. yeah so i can ask that 
almost exactly like that. And by okay. saying that, you know, what's your experience with design history and expand on it to being, yeah. you know, have you looked into it? Do you feel it's important? And, you know, ask all of these sort of peripheral questions to really get a good conversation about it going. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to ask that question. Well, Jamie, you've reached the end of the quickie-ish podcast. Thank you so much <laughs> for being my guest today. This has been awesome connecting with you. Yeah. Right back at you. This has been great. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. And I told you it was a good one. I told you a great conversation with Jamie. So much fun. So if you are digging what you're hearing here on the Quickie Podcast, and I know you are, take just 10 to 17 seconds. Head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this, and leave a rating or a review. I would definitely appreciate it. And it is the time of year for giving. You know what I'm saying? Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.